You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. I am Professor Rabble Rouser, and with me, as always, is the great Professor Emeritus of Cowboysology, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, Doctor? I am doing good. Uh, you know, I'm a little, little cold. We, uh, I spent some time at the pumpkin patch today. I took my granddaughter. Uh, she, you know, she's four years old, and took her to the pumpkin patch, and she got to kind of run around and play and play with all the games and stuff. And uh, so that was that was a good time. Uh, you know, I'm feeling a little guilty, Raz, because I don't know if you um, you remember. So I I actually missed out on trick or treating with her last year because. Well, you know what was going on during Halloween, and I, I, you know, I, I thought I was going to try to do one of those recorded things, and I just, you know, but you know how I am with cowboy games, and I just, I can't be missing a single bit of action, so I, I end up just bailing on Halloween and watching the game. So nonetheless, I feel a little guilty, but I'm excited. I'm going to make it up to her this year. Looking forward to trick or treating. She's at that perfect age to just have a good old time. You know, Halloween's been. It's a, it's, it's a fun time. You know, I've, I'm older now and I remember the days where, you know, I'd go out with my wife and we would, you know, I live in a college town. We would, you know, have fun and then, you know, and hit the bar scene and stuff. And, but now it's just, you know, you're just there for the little ones. But, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, like, what is your favorite thing about Halloween? My favorite thing about Halloween, um, I think part of it has to be when it happens. It's just like it's it's it happens at right usually either right at or just after the peak of fall, depending on where you live. And it's there's just something about like that most Halloweens in my memory have like the air is just starting to get a little bit of chill, but it's not chilly yet. You know, usually you know it, it, the weather's pretty decent, um, but there's that spice of changing and uh, falling leaves in the air. Um, there's just something about like that, that peak of fall. We talked, we talked last week about how much I, lo- I love fall in October and, and everything. And I think that Halloween is just right there as the kind of like the anchor for all of that. Um, you know, the dressing up is fine. I'm not a big dresser upper kind of, kind of dude. I did obviously did it for years when I was a kid, but I, I, as an adult, I'm not really a big, you know, like dress up in costumes guy. My wife and I dressed as fairy godparents for our godson a couple of years back, but that's really the only time in my adult life I can really even think about that I dressed up for Halloween. I will say that the last time I dressed up meaningfully for Halloween, went out with a bunch of my friends, I was probably in my twenties. 
I didn't have a costume at all. And I was just like, oh, what am I going to do? And they were all getting ready to go out. And a couple of my friends had spent like 300 bucks on like, you know, to become bikers and doing all these like these cool costumes. And I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? So um, I had long hair at the time and I had a little bit of a beard. And so I just got I grabbed it. I grabbed like a, a sheet and I and I was Jesus for Halloween. So I like I like I like took like uh, fake vampire blood and took some toilet paper and made stigmata on my hands and I made a wound you know made a wound on, on my uh, on my rib and everything and I will tell you what the chicks loved Jesus <laughs> yeah I went we went out to a couple of bars and they were draped all over me it was weird dude I mean there was a couple a couple times where like they they were like hold still hold still hold still and I would stand there like what are you doing and they and they would like look me up and down and they'd be like it's perfect. And I was like, well, that's weird. That's, what are you talking about? And it's like, it was just so weird, man. Um, but uh, that's the last time I, I really, I like really dressed up and I like went out in public in any significant way. Um, and that was 20 something years ago, at least. I remember one time I dressed up as a doctor and uh, went out to the bar. And so my wife was a nurse too, but guess who else was nurses? The entire city of Corvallis, Oregon. It's like, oh, I mean, there's so many, not and so many naughty nurses and stuff and it was like so many of them wanted to take a picture with you know dr rogers so uh so that, that, that i remember that was that was pretty entertaining too but uh my, the last time i dressed up rad and i'm kind of the same way i just like i was done with it and but my friends you know and uh talked you know talked us into going and i hadn't i didn't have a costume my wife was able to just mix up some witch costume and stuff and i literally just duct taped a broom to me and i was just the broom so, and then we went out like that. But that's the last time I remember dressing up. So nice. But nice. speaking of dressing up, uh, this has absolutely nothing to do with that. But since my segues <laughs> have been uh, mostly on, uh, we're going to take a break from that this week. And I'm just going to straight up ask you, what do we got going on on the show today? Well, we're going to talk about the team that, that the Cowboys will be dressing down on Sunday, the Chicago Bears. So uh, we're going to have the great Robert Schmitz from our uh, SB Nation sister site, Windy City Gridiron. He's a fantastic uh, guy, r- really voluble guy. I think you guys are really going to enjoy talking to him. Uh, he's a writer. He's a podcaster. He does not do the bare minimum. He's very qualified uh, and he's not very polarizing. So I think that, that, that he'll be a good person to have on um, to talk to us about the Bears. But listen, before we get into that, there have been several kind of like hot topic news items that have been going around and, um, you know, on the airwaves lately. I, I'd love to hear what, what your take is. So let, let's start by just talking about the trade, de- trade deadline and uh, we'll sort of mix that in with the, the Cowboys trade for a big defensive tackle. What do you think? So, I mean... First off, I'm happy that the Cowboys made the trade that they did, and I get, we'll talk about that in a second. But I w- I'm certainly not, wasn't expecting much. I, I, I'm a I'm a big big supporter of the front office, and I know people, you know, hate hearing that, and uh, you know they definitely let me know on Twitter. Um, but uh, I honestly, I I am in the minority, and where I don't have a desire to go out and trade for a wide receiver like most of our fan base wants to do. I think that the best thing to help our wide receivers is just a, you know, a, a more refined Dak Prescott, which I think is coming. So uh, I'm not really worried about that at all. I think there's a lot of things that will start to come together once Prescott starts playing a little better and our, our offensive worries will not be what they are. And, and remember, we got a, we got a fantastic defense and, so I'm just, I don't know, I'm, there's, 
if you go down the list, all the names thrown out there are going to be huge contracts or cost huge draft capital. So absolutely not on that. And so unless you can find that right kind of fit, low cost, you know, guy, then I, I don't really want any part of it. What, what about you? Do you, I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, as you were thinking, I, I was, as you were talking rather, I was thinking, okay, so let's talk, let's talk for a second about their wide receiver profile. If they want to bring someone in, do they want to bring in a number one receiver? No, they've got a number one receiver. They think, they think is, is one of the, uh, has the potential to grow into like a top five type receiver in TD lamb. I think they really honestly feel that way about him. Um, do they want a number two receiver? I mean, it's possible that you want a number two receiver because Michael Gallup is still like, you know, working things out as, as he comes back from his injury. But then what does that do to everybody else? I mean, do you, do you really, do you really want to take reps away from a guy who's coming back who can, who's proven he can be uh, a high quality number two receiver in this league? Do you want a number three receiver? So that means that, that you're replacing Noah Brown, who's actually acquitted himself quite well. So what exactly is it you want? Because if anybody else is going to have to be someone who's also adept on special teams, if they're going to make a difference in, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the game day roster, which of course for coaches is, is, is a you know, hugely important thing. So I guess I'm, I'm wondering what people want. I mean, yeah, sure. It'd be great if the, if the receivers were, were, had done better so far. It'd be great if the passing game was more scintillating, but I, I really do wonder like what, what profile is it that, the Cowboys need. And I guess maybe the profile is something like a guy who has been in the league, maybe has offers a little bit of speed, can um, can help out on special teams because I don't think that they, I don't think that they need or would look at somebody who couldn't play special teams, right? They're not looking to, to replace wide receivers number 1 or 2. And so honestly the na- uh, there's one name and this this is of course is, is hilarious, but there's one name that I've heard bandied about that actually makes sense to me. And that's, and, that, and that's Cedric Wilson. Right? So, so I mean, he's in Miami now. He's not getting many snaps. The, Miami has a really sort of incredible, uh, incredibly explosive receiver core now. I think they probably brought Ced on before they made, you know, before they, they, that, that was realized. And uh, he's sort of languishing now. You know, now they, they could use another backup sort of punt and kick returner. He, he can do that. He's a really versatile guy. I think there's a lot of things he brings to the team, and obviously Dak knows him. The other thing about that is, you know, you've got James Washington. You can say, okay, James Washington's no good or whatever. I mean, I know people aren't, aren't in love with James Washington, but I'd say 80, 80% of the guys they would bring in would basically be another James Washington, who you're going to have, you know, coming off, you know, coming off of injury and, and joining the roster soon. And, He'll be doing that before anybody you can bring on learns the offense and learns timing with Dak and gets up to speed anyway. So, for so for me, it's really just a question of, okay, sure, sure. Do we want our receiving core to be and our receiver room to be as deep as it was last year? That'd be great. Okay, fine. But how is that actually going to happen practically right now? And I, and my answer is I don't know. I don't know how it can unless you bring in somebody who already has deep familiarity with the team. It takes a lot of a lot of time and a lot of reps for a, a, a quarterback and a wide receiver to, to develop timing, right? We're just seeing Dak rediscovering that with, with his receiving core, and he's worked with them for years. So, you know, bringing in someone who hasn't worked in this offense and hasn't worked with Dak, I mean, we're talking about, you know, getting getting them up to speed by, like, week 13. And we hope by then James Washington, Michael Gallup, uh, maybe even, maybe even uh, you know, um, 
uh, uh, Tolbert will will be will be ready to go by then. So I I just don't. I think I think people who are clamoring for that don't understand the, what the actual timetable would be for that. Yeah. No. I mean that that's a good point too. And to to me, I'm just looking at it from the the cost. You know, because they they want the big name guys. You know, they want the DJ Moores, and you know they want, you know they they want the player. You know, the the they want to replace. You know, have have, an, have another. I don't know what what they think of CD or or a player like Moore would fit in. But I mean, it's the, these things are unrealistic to me. I think I don't think that. I mean, they, we're not going to spend a lot of draft capital on it. And, and no no fans would want to. Do you do you not know what we're doing with that draft capital? So so I mean, it just it makes no sense. I think I think they're going to roll with what they have, and I think there are still some options. I mean, it's they're still just potential because they were potential at the beginning of the season, and they haven't manifested anything. But you know, you look like what Turp. If you're looking for a speed guy, well, you got Turpin. Get him more involved. You know, you talk about you know when are we going to see Jalen Tolbert? And it's like when you know, and we don't know. And then just did a did a Houston, you know, still on the practice squad, and you know, and then James Washington's come back. So there's there are players, there are candidates that come in, and you know. And help this group, but I honestly, I just there's nobody out there that I can see the Cowboys, you know, pulling the trigger on. But the guy they did pull the trigger on, Rabs. What do you think about that guy? You, I mean, it's it's fascinating because you know in the Marinelli years when they refused to to draft a one tech because they didn't want a big just a guy who's basically just a big run plugger. They wanted their, all their guys to stop the run on the way with the quarterback, so they tended to draft undersized guys or guys who were sort of three techniques and they put them at the one. People, there was a draft where Jonathan Hankins came out, and there was a couple. There were a couple other big body, like uh, you know, one technique nose tackle types uh, who came out in that draft, and people were clamoring for that. And I kept saying at the time, "There's no way that this coaching staff is not going to draft a guy like that. Even if he's available in round three, they're not going to draft a guy like that. They, he's not even on their board." And it turned out he wasn't on their board. And so, um, but this this is a different team, and I think that I think one of the reasons why there's a couple of reasons why they've been getting gashed in the run game and where they've been getting gashed. Yes. Is up the middle. They've been giving up some, some runs up the middle, but the place where they've really been getting gashed is on the outside. And I think one of the reasons they've been getting gashed outside is because guys are collapsing in because they, that's the way that their coaches are telling them to do so. I mean, I think that um, there's, there's certainly a, a sensitivity on the, on the defensive front seven to being, being uh, hit inside again and again. And so this makes a lot of sense because I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if by bringing him in, you're going to see the linebackers freed a lot more to make to make plays um, at or behind line of scrimmage. I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see um, the Cowboys set the edge better because they're going to make it a higher priority. They're, they're, people aren't going to be crashing down because they're so worried about getting gashed inside. I think it's going to ha- be one of those things where on first and second down, it's going to have a kind of cumulative effect that exceeds the actual talent and contributions of the player. And there's also, I mean, I think this is this is in some ways is a is a moratorium on on uh, on Bohanna. Like I think that they they like a lot of things about him, but he hasn't been the kind of guy who you know has that. I mean, he's 260. He's probably bigger than Hankins, or at least as big. But he just isn't a stout, and he he hasn't shown the kind of anchor to to sort of take on a double team and just not move. He, he's he's shown that he can be moved, and so they need someone who's not going to move, uh, who's going to keep the line of scrimmage right where it is. Uh, against the center and a guard, and and Hankins is exactly that guy. He's going to give you zero in pass rush situations, absolutely nothing. So he's a two down run plugging dude, and I, I'm okay with that. I think that 
I think that, you know, they've been trying to find that guy for a couple of years. They wanted to try to find that guy by not spending a lot of resources in the last couple of drafts. They got like late day three guys in Bohanna and um, Ridgeway, and they spend a late day three pick here. And, and this, and for, for one who's proven and shown, he can actually do what they, what they want that position to do. Yeah. I'm really excited about Hankins. I mean, you, I, you know, obviously we should temper it next time. What, you know, what we concern, what he cost, you know, and what, what even he got, what even the Raiders were paying him too. It's, I mean, that's that's the kind of player you get. So we're not going to get any, any game record by any means. But, you know, he's very good at, you know, getting in there, you know, and he you're not going to move him around. Uh, you know, like you say, he's not going to be rushing the quarterback. And, but he is going to be able to just clock some stuff and, and cause mm-hmm. action to move away from him. And then, like you said, it all just kind of, you know, perpetuates. You know, it makes those edge guys, and those edge guys are just phenomenal chasers. They're phenomenal chasers, Val. You, those guys watching them on tape, just like running players down and stuff. I mean, so I mean, if you if you could take away some of that uh, the inside lanes that that have been available, you know, against this Cowboys defense, then I think that just adds another element to the Cowboys defense that just makes them really tough. So, you know. I don't know where, where he's going to fit with the rotation. I've, I've I've been impressed with Bo, but I think that this just gives them a seasoned vet that's going to be there. I don't think they're at any point going to be hurting at that position. Um, you know, especially if you got Carlos Watkins in your pocket on the practice squad still. You know, he he came in and stepped in and played played decent. Um, I don't really know what it means for Neville Gallimore. That's that's one of the weirdest things because I almost feel like his days are numbered somehow. Like. Because what is going on? It's, it's very puzzling. Um, but he's certainly not the answer at the nose, too. Whether the Cowboys were going to try to force that type of transition, you know, I don't know. But I, ju- I, I just feel better. I, I think this is, you know, it's a it's very kind of low-key trade, but it's a very important. It's the one spot I felt the Cowboys needed to address. And I think they did it. So um, mm-hmm. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think that um, it's very telling. Like the Cowboys saw that there was a one one major chink in their defensive armor, and that if they are going to ride this defense as far as they can, and uh, they have a chance to ride a little farther with a with this kind of this kind of role player. This defense is all for the most part is about a handful of stars and a bunch of role players who know their role and do the one or two things that are asked of them really well, and that's precisely what kind of guy Hankins is. But listen, before we before we move on, I also want to just kind of uh, say real quickly that um, today is the 20th anniversary of the day when Emmett Smith um, <clears throat> sort of became the all-time rushing leader. Uh, it was a great day for me. Emmett Smith's my favorite uh, player of all time. Loved Emmett Smith, and I was a I mean, you know, I mean, at the time when he was you know when he was playing, even though it was clear like you know this was the end of his end of his uh, storied career with the Cowboys, it was still, you know, I, I was so, so excited that day. So t- tell me where you were when you saw him break the all-time rushing record and just give me a little, give, give me some thoughts about, about number 22. Well, you know, I, I was in my living room watching the game and um, of course it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those great seasons. So, I mean, I think, I believe it was a Quincy Carter that handed the ball to him. I think uh, I think it was Chad Hutchinson. Oh, was it Hutchinson? But it was it during the yes. Quincy era? I don't know. It was during the. It was in 2002. So yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so I mean, I was great for Emmett. Uh, but it's it's funny that so we were asking, talking to each other in emails this week. You know, we were asking like, what's your favorite Bears game and stuff, and it made me kind of go back and think. And one of my favorites, I don't know, I don't I have a, a favorite per se, but one of my favorites 
was I'm sure you remember the beatdown, the 44 to nothing beatdown in the mid 80s. The Bears game, you know, that was that was tough to stomach. You know, that was in in you know Texas Stadium, and um, but I remember the it was 92. It was actually the year after we beat the Bears in the playoffs, the Bill Bates interception that we got mm-hmm. the first. It was at that that you know as we were on the rise with the Jimmy Johnson team. But we played the Bears late in the season. I don't very know. Last very, very last game. And then the following season, and we smoked them. I think it was we. I think they got a couple of garbage touchdowns at the end, but we smoked them. But Emmett, once again, you know, he took off, ran, ran for a touchdown, and like ran in the tunnel even. And he and at that moment he was the the rushing leader again for the second straight year. And I just I just remember that feeling like man, we we have something special, and and Emmett, and we have something special with this team. And maybe it felt really good to just. You know, I always like to to kind of have those games that just kind of um, you know, takes the monkey off of a bad memory that I had, you know, when I was younger, you know, with and uh, I remember that that game kind of like did that for me with the Bears beat down in the mid '80s. So, and, but yeah, I just I remembered Emmett Smith, you know, back then, and uh, and then here we are, tw- twenty years from when breaking the record. It's just it's just crazy, but uh, definitely, you know, and I, and I will just fight this to, with anyone. To me, he's he's the most complete running back that the game has seen. I just think he does so many things really well. But um, what about you, Rabs? Uh, what's your thoughts? I'm, I'm I was actually watching it at a sports bar, and it was in the Bay Area, so it was a 49ers bar. Um, but the they you know I was lucky in that the uh, the guys around the, the place. Um, I think the Niners were playing on the on Monday night or something that 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 particular week. So they put the Cowboys and the Seahawks on the on the big screen with the sound and everything. And so I was able to see it, uh, I was able to see it and hear it, which was great. Um, you know, it's sort of, a, it, 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 it was pretty clear that that was going to happen. And it was pretty clear that it was inevitable. Um, but I was just so happy. And, and you know, particularly, you know, the, it was, it was, as you said, it was t- tempered a little bit by the fact that the team was bad. They lost that game. Um, and they lost that game to a Seahawks team that was not a particularly good team, and um, you know they, they they played bad football, uh, and it would be nice if they'd been able to you know sort of stomp the Seahawks in in the game where Emmett set the record. But um, the thing that I really remember the most is is uh, you know after he said it, him going to the sidelines and having a chance to to sort of you know touch base with his family, but but even more importantly, seemingly for Emmett with Dale Johnson who who, who blocked for him. And Daryl said, you know, I did it for you. I love you, man. It was just great to see those teammates who had sacrificed so much for each other, um, one of whom had sacrificed so much that he was no longer able to play, even though Emmett still was, and um, and how much, you know, how willing they were to do that for each other. And, you know, it just felt felt like to me it was like um, the distilled essence of what was great about those 90s teams. And and I thought and I thought that was just great. And I, I will go to my grave agreeing with you that, that Emmett's the most complete back. I think that people, because he's not a – you know, he was not a four-three kind of guy. Um, people, people just underestimate how incredible actually his burst for the first like seven to ten yards was. How incredible his vision was. How compact and powerful he was. Um, and his ability to—I mean, when he was young, his his ability to sort of stay on balance and move in the hole it was just unparalleled. It was so so good. And just because he never—you know—he he broke some long runs, but he. He never had that sort of like Barry Sanders, you know, like highlight juke or highlight speed, but he was just under it and he did so many other things better. Um, I mean, he was just, uh, you know, he was a perfect, complete back. 
It's incredible. And, I mean, the durability was unbelievable. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's the thing that's just unheard of. And we may not see something like that again because you just can't, you can't play at that level, you know, that long and, you know, take the beating that, you know, with the players these days. So for sure. And, and absolutely, I just love, uh, love the, uh, we love the moose. Who doesn't love the moose? So that was, that was great. What a great guy. But enough about mooses. That's right. Yeah, we're gonna now we're gonna transition to bears. I think it's also interesting that that uh, that the Cowboys are playing the Bears uh, on the anniversary weekend of Emmett breaking uh, the great bear uh, Walter Payton's record. So I'm, I'd be shocked if the, if the broadcast doesn't happen to mention that at least once or twice. But speaking of bears, I'll tell you what, let's get our guests in here and talk about this week's opponent, shall we? Yes, let's do that. All right, students, you ready to boost your midterm grade? Then listen carefully to our guest lecturer for today, none other than the great Robert Schmitz from Windy City Gridiron. Robert, how are you, sir? I'm doing really, really well. I mean, come on. How can you not be fired up about your team when they come out of nowhere and beat the Patriots? But don't just beat them, spank them in Foxborough. I mean, I don't care how ethereal that win is, how superficial that win is. That's one of those that you keep in your memory bank until you're dead. And so I am excited about where we are, even if it hasn't changed my thoughts on the team too much. Well, we're going to listen uh, to your thoughts on the team in just a sec. I, I do want to share everybody uh, a, a, an email that I sent to Robert when we were lining this up, in which I said, congratulations on the win. It's always great to see Bill Belichick look constipated with rage on the sidelines. Yep. And so congratulations to that. The entire league uh, is, is your friend this week. After You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, so let, I want to kind of start generally. You guys have had some turnover in the front office and with the head coach. So we want to kind of talk about that and get get caught up. You know, we don't follow the team on a day-to-day basis, so we'd love to hear your insight. Um, So on the offseason, the Ryan Pace era gave way to the Ryan Poles era. Um, So tell us a little bit about about Poles. What's his roster building strategy? And in your estimation, like how big is the task before him? Um, Is it it Herculean, Uh, this grisly, grisly task he has in front of him? And are fans about to bear witness to a dramatic turnaround? So first of all, I have to point out that when it comes to transition, you did, you mentioned that they went from Ryan Pace to Ryan Poles. Did you notice that they went from Ryan P- Pace and Matt Nagy to Ryan P. Poles and Matt Eberflus? Indeed. Ryan P. and Matt are still running the team, but they changed. The, it was bizarre. Honestly, I've never seen it in my life. But so... It's so funny you ask about how big is the task. I mean, let's take the last two weeks as an example. The team that lost to Washington, what a Herculean task. I mean, chances are you got to change quarterbacks. Like that team was going to lose fundamentally every single game on the rest of its schedule. There's a reason they went into Foxborough. Uh, They were underdogs by eight and a half points. And I mean, what pieces can you even keep? On a team like that, Darnell Mooney, their number one receiver, has not cracked the 300-yard mark. Cole Komet hasn't done fundamentally anything meaningful as a second-round tight end. Like, the offensive line gave up pressure on 47% of dropbacks. Like, what do you keep? 
on this team. <laughs> right. And then they storm into Foxborough. They win 33 to 14. They look convincing. Roquan Smith is finally starting to look like a linebacker worth his salt. Eddie Jackson is having a borderline defensive player of the year season. Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor both look like surprisingly good corners. And then Jaquan Brisker out of the second round has so far easily the game of his career. It's not just a one-handed interception. I don't know how much you guys watched the all 22, but he was all over it as a second safety and the bears are starting to implement a bunch of mug front looks simulated pressure looks drops off the line of scrimmage major safety rotations that a lot of teams aren't committing to safety rotation quite like chicago has over the last two weeks so it's a relatively new thing that team you don't need quite as much of an injection as you thought you did, but I think you guys all know the answer, don't you? It all hinges around the guy wearing number one, because if Justin Fields takes that next step forward, and I would not blame you guys if you said either the jury's out or I'm not so sure, because his statistics are quite literally reminiscent of the 1980s when the Bears were last good, coincidentally. Not mm-hmm. surprising when you really think about it. But so it's it's an interesting task that Ryan Poles has in front of him. I'm thankful that they have set or 10 more games left on the schedule because if you made me tell you an answer right now, I'd tell you things were inconclusive. We it, it's all a matter okay, so I actually think Dallas fans, I always like when I come on to a different fans podcast to try to find a time in recent Dallas history now where things felt similar. When Roma went down for the season, I'm sure you guys felt almost exactly the same way, where it was a terrible team, like nothing looked good. They'd just gone three and 13 the year before, if memory serves. And then Dak Prescott comes along, plays pretty solid football, and suddenly the Cowboys are back in the playoffs and they haven't missed a beat since, uh, regardless of, you know, whether they've reached the highs that they wanted to at least the regular season hasn't been embarrassing embarrassing the way that it has in Chicago (laughs) so whether or if Justin Fields can be the guy that they need I mean honestly even if he could play at a cutler level I think that that does a lot for a front office that then wouldn't have to draft a quarterback but if they have to fix the quarterback that's when you got to get your gambling pants back on and then you just don't know Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely, and you know we'll we'll get into to Justin in a second too. But he's definitely a, it's it's a totally different story when you're, you, you know, you're one of the haves or the one of the have-nots. And with with Justin, I think a lot of us are wondering what 
what are the bears and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more but i wanted to, to ask you about one of our old friends um so one of polls's first moves was to hire matt eberflus as the bears new head coach so the cowboy fans are very familiar with him he was the team's linebacker coach from the beginning of the jason garrett era until 2017. Uh, a lot of us wanted him to stick around and replace rod marinelli as the the new defensive coordinator, but they didn't give him a gig, and then off to Indy he went. So the Colts conveniently went from third worst in points allowed to top 10 in three of his four years with Indy. That's not too shabby. So bear with me. I'm almost there. Now Eberflus is running the show in Chicago, where guess what? The Bears' defense is ranked seventh in points allowed this season. Imagine that. So, Robert, my first question for you is, what did you think of the Matt Eberflus hire, and how is he doing in his first year at the helm? Well, I mean, you seem like a guy who knows your history, but you left out the most important chunk, didn't you? So Matt Eberflus, the protege of Rod Marinelli. Well, where did Marinelli come from? Marinelli got his kicks under Lovey Smith earlier in the latest and greatest uh, Chicago era. I mean, depends on how you score the Matt Nagy era, because believe it or not, Matt Nagy's tenure had one of the highest winning percentages in recent Bears history, despite the fact that you, if you ask a standard Bears fan what they think about Matt Nagy, they will break out some awfully nasty words. So I highly recommend you keep that in your pocket. But so it felt to Chicago fans a little too familiar. If I can be honest, it wasn't a question of whether Eberflus had earned his shot. He'd obviously earned his shot. I mean, isn't that the problem with so many of these conversations? You find yourself wondering, okay, let's use um, Kellen as an example, the offensive coordinator for Dallas. Is he ready to be a head coach? Because if you don't hire them early, you won't hire them at all. And so you either get disaster like they did with Mark Tressman, or you get all reliable here and Matt Eberflus, who's going to bring in an offensive coordinator that if he succeeds he's going to get hired out there was a lot of conversation and most of it wasn't great because Brian Dable who unfortunately the Cowboys fans are probably all too familiar with just seemed like the obvious choice not that the Bears were necessarily going to lock him down but you've got a young quarterback he's an electric athlete a bit of a wild horse and with Josh Allen having just been developed by this other guy who's now on the market why would you not hire him but I'll tell you what Dan I feel like Eberflus has been really silently impressive I mean, not only is the defense who does not have a fabulous defensive line and the linebacker core where, yes, they've got Roquan Smith, but Roquan Smith is not a phenomenal fit for this defense, especially when the defensive line can't control the line of scrimmage. All the same, Eberflus, especially over the last three weeks, has been putting on defensive clinics on how to tailor his scheme and stymie opposing offenses where they don't want to be hurt. The fact that they're stopping, they, the fact that they stopped a Washington run attack wasn't that impressive, but the fact that they were able to control, or corral a Patriots running attack that had been their bread and butter legitimately surprised me because I've always known running the ball to be a matter of Jimmy's and Joe's more so than X's and O's. Still, they're getting a lot of things done on the defensive end it feels like the culture is beginning to carry itself over to the offensive end where they've now in their three wins so in their four wins their offenses looked categorically awful uh in their three wins though they either had 281 rushing yards against the texans which seems to bode itself towards defense and run the ball style coaching they ground out just enough points to beat san francisco in a monsoon and then they stormed foxborough so there's an aspect of you tell me and your guess as good as mine. I mean, it seems as if players are developing, but I mean, you're talking to a Bears fan. We, Matt Nagy won coach of the year 
in his rookie season. So there are plenty more people than just me saying, okay, you can't fully paint me the picture in one season because we went through this last time too. So, you know, you've been talking uh, as we've, as we've kind of laid out the larger picture here about, about uh, Justin Fields, obviously the bears traded up in the first round of the Mm -hmm. 21 draft to pick him. Um, uh, And uh, bearing in mind that he's had atrocious offensive line protection, how would you say he's progressing? We talked a little bit about it, and you said he's kind of the wild card. Um, do, do you think, I mean, in your honest opinion, do you think he's the kind of franchise quarterback that the that Poles and Ibrahim can build around? Or do you think he's unqualified and uh, that that combo is going to struggle to... Uh, to that was good. To, thank you. And uh, that, that that combo is going <laughs> to struggle, uh, you know, to, to, to have, sort of get their, their franchise quarterback and build around him. So I think it's a matter of how creatively the, uh, the Bears offense thinks because right now Fields is struggling with the number one. I, I think anyways, when I look back through history, because you got to remember, I've been a football fan for as young as I am. I'm 27 years old. I've been a football fan for now 17 years. I mean, plenty of people have. That's not that uncommon. But that means that we have seen a day and age where Brady and Rogers and Manning, these guys got three, four years before anybody levied any expectations on them. And that's just not the world we live in right now. So Mm -hmm. when I say fields, a young quarterback who's now 23 years old is still struggling with timing throws. Are you really surprised? But timing throws are a lot of the NFL, especially when your offensive line is not particularly good and they're definitely not playing well and going into Dallas. That's a, that's a big problem for anything other than timing throws. So how, how do I score Justin Fields? Because he's obviously an electric talent that can make just about any play a massive gain. He has the bears operating in within the top 10 in terms of explosive play percentage. Their points per game has just been awful because outside of the explosive plays, they tend to either lose yards or gain next to none. So it's been a balancing act because how do you talk about a quarterback that is picking up explosive plays? That's what everybody wants, right? At a very high rate with a terrible supporting cast, but also taking sacks on before last week, 17% of his dropbacks. What do you say about this? It's in my opinion, a relatively new case study because normally you don't have a quarterback that's this bad at the dinking and dunking and that good at striking downfield. But here we are. So then they go into Foxborough. They basically say, okay, screw the short passing game. We're not going to do that. We're just going to run the ball like your Lamar Jackson. And I mean, I can't believe it worked either. As, as much as there are plenty of Bears fans that have used phrases like, oh, you got to get him out of the pocket. Oh, you got to move the launch point. Oh, you got to do this. Those are everything that I heard about Mitch Trubisky. It was hard for me not to think, oh, this is just the general playbook for us saying he sucks without saying he sucks. And then <laughs> Fields takes 13 carries for 82 yards, makes mincemeat of the Patriots defense and looks really good. I mean, or at the very least, looks like a quarterback that you could win with or even win the of depending on certain scenarios i mean you guys think i like to challenge fans on the opposing team to think about it i'm sure you guys as dallas or like as this dallas defense would rather deal with fields just sitting in the pocket than fields on the move and it's not it's not because of anything outrageously special and yet 
every time anybody plays a mobile quarterback, that mobile quarterback is a huge problem for defenses that just aren't built nowadays to, to really keep a lid on these guys. I mean, I would dare say that the that Fields' legs are the real only edge the Bears offense has right now because I don't think anybody's scared of Darnell Mooney. I'm certainly not scared of Cole Komet. The Bears' passing weapons and offensive line are really not enough to, to give anybody the shivers. And so Fields' legs are just about the only way other than their running attack that you can try to stretch a defense and create seams to punish people. Now, will Fields over time catch up to the game? Guys, I sure hope so. We don't know. I can't pretend we do. But at the very least, I know this time during Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's tenure, if you asked me what is Mitch good at, I would have struggled to give you an answer because the answer was, uh, I guess, passes within five yards. He's pretty accurate. With Fields, I can tell you what he's good at. I can give you a laundry list of what he's bad at. And so the hope will be that by the end of, I guess, by the, by the next this time next year, we will see him shorten the list of things that he's bad at. And if not, it'll be a real problem that the Bears need to solve. But nights like uh, Monday are really encouraging for the obvious reasons, because when you out scheme Belichick, who's the young quarterback killer, it gives people a lot to be confident about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the Monday night game just like really confused a lot of us. Um, Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping you can kind of shed some light on this a little bit. So you guys just smoked New England. You know, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned you beat San Francisco opening weekend in that monsoon. Uh, but then you guys were off hibernating against a very unimpressive Washington football team. Very. So, so Robert, so from a, a scale of badass bears to like the one that uh, ripped up Leonardo DiCaprio in The, the Revenant to just uh, bad news bears. I, I want the you care, to, bears? care Bears? Care Bears. <laughs> I, I want you to tell us. Who are the real Chicago Bears? So my father, and we grew up in Dallas. We we haven't mentioned that on the podcast yet, but like I, I'm very familiar with the Cowboys. I've been here my whole life. My father, whenever we watched the Bears growing up, always used to say, you're never as good nor as bad as your last game. And what a pair of games to say that about. Mm-hmm. Because truly, if the truth is somewhere in the middle, well, it could be anywhere in there, couldn't it? So my honest assessment of where the bears are is that the bears are as good on offense as you are at stopping a mobile quarterback, because nobody thinks that Equinamia St. Brown is going to beat your even number two corner in one-on-one coverage. But if that co- or if that corner steps up to stop a mobile quarterback, who's breaking out on a scramble, he's open all the same. And if fields finds him, it'll be a 15 yard gain, just like a couple of the gains that he had against new England. I mean, that new England defense is better than the bears. And I've been finding people in my Twitter mentions all week who keep saying, well, they can't be better because they got smoked. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Matthew Judon is a much better like pass rusher than Larry Borum is an offensive tackle. But when almost every single play moves where Fields is throwing the ball, you can't as a pass rusher get your angle set up. You don't even know when the passing downs really are coming. And that's something that, hey, look, if I was going to give the Bears any hope against an extraordinarily good Dallas defense that should pound them. They might follow a similar plan to what Jalen Hurts did with the Eagles. Now, is the plan enough, good enough to beat Dallas? I mean, guys, that Eagles team is stacked top to bottom. Like, they've got one of the best offensive lines in football to pair with some of the best receivers in football. And Dallas Goddard is one of the best tight ends in football. They really have it all. And they only barely jimmied out, what, 27 points? 
against the Dallas defense with a lot of that coming late. 26, yeah. Yeah, it took effort. So, I mean, a lot of short fields. I'm not expecting the Bears to roll into Dallas and necessarily dominate them on offense. The question that I have for you guys, if you don't mind, I mean, if it's, if it's purely me getting interviewed, that's fine. How do y'all feel about the Dallas offense? Because every time so far, we've only had Tampa and we've had the lions game, but against the lions in particular, Dak Prescott looked massively off rhythm. And if he doesn't put thing or put two and two together, by the time he faces Chicago, Chicago's defense is not just going to lie down for him. And so that's, I think, the side of the ball I'm most interested in, because if it's another low scoring, low scoring game, I mean, it's like first to make a big play wins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll take that and I'll take that as a way to segue into the next question. Um, you know, that when Dak, when, there, there have been stretches uh, over the last several years, like there was, there was a period in the first half of 2019. There was a the period in 2020 before he uh, broke his ankle. There was a period uh, last year before uh, basically up to the new England game. And then he, then he hurt his calf where uh, Dak was the number one quarterback in the league in terms of yardage and output. And the offense was the number one offense in the league. And, and, and when they're humming, they're usually also running the ball really well. So what's been happening now that Cooper Rush is the quarterback and then you know, Dak has come back for, for one week. Um, is that they're still running the ball pretty well and, and actually sort of remarkably well, given that they're not any kind of threat really to, to hit deep passes. Right. Cooper Rush had a comically weak arm and was not going to hit deep outs and, you know, had to really wind up to, to throw anything downfield. So, um, so teams weren't respecting that yet. The Cowboys are still able to run. So, you know, we've been talking about on this podcast that we think that, you know, if Dak can get back to anything approaching that Dak of those stretches that, um, the offense can can be like it was in in those days. I think there, there's some new there's some new blood on the offensive line, but I think the offensive line is every bit as good as it was when they were making hay last year. Uh, I just think it's going to take Dak a few games to 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 get back his rhythm and all those things that you that you noticed when they were playing the right. line. He was off rhythm. Uh, you know, there were, there were, he made a he made a couple plays that Cooper Rush couldn't make. I mean, it's just cl- clearly better arm talent, clearly better. Um, I mean, he's better at every phase of the game than Cooper Rush. And so it's just a matter of when he can round into shape. Um, you know, we've got we basically the next four games, we're, including last week, we're playing uh, the NFC North. And so, uh, you know, we have a bye and then we've got the Vikings and, and Packers. And so he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to have this, his stuff together by then because, you know, those are those are a couple tougher teams. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I suppose I suppose uh, that you know, Las Vegas is thinking that, that the, the, the bears are a little bit closer to the team that lost to the commanders, maybe than the one that beat the, the Patriots because the Cowboys have opened as a sort of surprisingly big favorite. Um, and so I guess what I'm, what I want to ask you is uh, if, if the bears are to pull off the upset, uh, which would be a pretty significant upset given the, given the present odds, um, who is it that's going to have a big game that's going to make that happen? I mean, it's gotta be fields. I, I hate picking the quarterback in these. I think it's so uninteresting. Right. Oh, oh, look at him. He picked his quarterback. But (laughs) I mean, it's the only weapon the Bears offense has. I mean, when Fields starts running the ball, it makes Leighton Vander Esch and Anthony Barr stretch a little bit further to the side. And so that opens up seams either up the middle or through the air to exploit intermediate and deep passing lanes, especially when you use play action, that if they suck up to take or to try to fit the run against play action, suddenly Fields has another easy completion. You blink 
and they're at the 20 again. I mean, that happened if you guys watch Monday Night Football a couple times where you mm-hmm. blinked and suddenly Chicago was in field goal range again. And how did they keep moving the ball there? And I think Fields' legs are the only way that the Bears are going to have a shot at putting any pressure on a Dallas defense that, I mean, almost to a man, like I said earlier, is better than them. And if they end up in a spot where they're trying to run the ball with standard handoffs or even like whether it's GT counter, whether it's pitches to the side. I mean, the problem that the Bears really face here is that almost every single player on the or like on the Dallas defense is a name brand defender. They are very, very good. And as soon as you get into a spot where you have to just drop back pass to save your life. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough yeah. against DeMarcus Lords, Micah, or Micah Parsons. And the joke I've been making for weeks is if Micah Parsons went one on five against the Bears offensive line, how many times would they stop him? He'd because still get three sacks. At least. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Micah is just playing on one. And it's amazing to watch. On the other side of the ball, I can't help thinking that this is going to be a huge game for the, or for the Cowboys running game. Because if you're going to beat the Bears, you have to get six yards on the ground on first down. They will give you a shot at it. I mean, they're bear- the defensive line is, let's just say the Bears got what they paid for. It's an extremely cheap underinvested defensive line that if you ask me with a straight face, I will tell you looks like it was not intended to win games. If you get what I'm saying, but uh, at, at the same time, Matt Eberflus has them playing one gap really, really well. They're doing a bunch of stunts and twists on first down to try to confuse offensive linemen about where the gap is so that their linebackers can shift up quickly and try to at least stop the runner for about two yards. Once you do that, their safeties can start playing at a too high, putting pressure on the opponent, like or the opposing passing game. I could name just about everybody on the bears defense and offense, because I mean, I mean this very seriously and very respectfully. If you're going to beat a team like the Cowboys, pretty much everybody has to play well. The Bears are not a team that's talented enough for me to point at one guy in particular and say he has to excel. Everybody else can take the week off. But mm-hmm. what, it's also going to be really interesting to me to see how Dak responds. Because if they get good Dak from the good years, this Look game out. is over. Look like, out. Yep. lights out. Mm-hmm. But if they get Lions Dak, I mean – I don't know how you guys felt, but the Cowboys had, what, 10 points? Was it as low as six points going into and in the middle of the fourth quarter? And I just can't help but think to myself, Fields has now had a 35-yard and a 51-yard touchdown run both get called back this season. And so it, the mobile quarterbacks are a pain. I remember the feeling whenever we faced anybody from Teddy Bridgewater to um, – to Kyler Murray, like whatever, wherever you are on that scale, mobile quarterbacks can take what should be a given sack, creep up in the pocket, and suddenly they picked up 17 yards and picked up a really annoying first down. Now, if you want my honest, honest opinion, I think it's really hard to pull off an upset, and it's Im- almost impossible to pull off two in a row. But the, the question is, are the Bears who we thought they were? And <laughs> right now, coming off of a game like that, I just don't know if I even know the answer, and I cover the team. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, the Cowboys are kind of, to me, I, I think that they're still finding themselves. And, you know, Rabs and I, we had a, you know, we, we were talking after the first game, and we were we were one of the more chill fans after the, the first loss, even with Prescott Hurt. I think it's because, A, we saw a lot of a lot of good things. You know, B, it's, it's early, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's still sorting itself out. And I think the other one, and this is a big one, is we believe that the, the real Dak Prescott will eventually present himself. 
And it's gotta. He wasn't there. I mean, I think there was glimpses of him a little bit in Detroit. I went back and rewatched it. I, I wasn't impressed, my initial thought, but then rewatching it, it's like, you know what? It, 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 he was okay. Um, but I think there's a better DAC that's coming. Um, but so you guys kind of hit us at a good time to where it's it's not there yet. And you know, and you mentioned the running game too. We may be without Ezekiel Elliott. It's looking like we're going to be without Ezekiel Elliott. So we're, I don't know if that's going to end up being a good or a bad because this means <laughs> fans are just been pleading for more Tony Pollard. But, you know, he's not a workhorse back. So, I mean, it's going to be a combination of Pollard and an undrafted, you know, rookie free agent that's going to be carrying the workload for the Cowboys. So, I mean, definitely there's this is a, a good window for Chicago to come in and, and sneak out another upset. So my last question for you is I want you to give me your final score prediction. You know, who wins and what is your score? I think Dallas wins it 21 to 13. Uh, I think my confidence on this is not super high, but I also think that, okay, so there's one other thing, one other storyline that's like really un, under talked about. And it's that the bears have played six out of seven of their games this year in the rain. And the only game that they didn't play in the rain was against Minnesota where they scored 22 points and the defense got styled on. So it's not like they're a super good team when it's dry, but coming into Dallas with dry conditions, with turf, I wonder whether their already speedy quarterback looks that much speedier. I don't know. So that's where I think I get the 13 points because I also think that there's a very good chance that the Cowboys are going to strip sack uh, fields, probably a full twice. I don't necessarily know if there will be an interception in there, but fields fumbled four times last week. Some of them due to dry conditions. Sure, but four times a lot of fumbles, and I do feel like his fumble luck is bound to run out eventually. It would make a lot of sense if Dallas was able to capitalize. So I think 21 to 13 feels right to me, which, if I understand correctly, would have them covering just by a smidgen, but it would still be a pretty resounding win for a Dallas team that I think makes a few more plays than they made last week. And Chicago, does. it's not that they take a step back. It's just that I don't think they're quite ready yet to contend with the team as quality as the Cowboys are. But hey, maybe they surprise me because right now both Chicago and Dallas feel like very, very any given Sunday teams. And so it should be a fun game to watch either way. Nothing feels decided. How about you, Dan? What do you have? So, you know, I've been I've been on the conservative side with the Cowboys. You know, I I kind of expected this offense to kind of slowly get there. And I think, and especially after listening to, to Robert talk, I actually think this is going to be a lot more scoring than I would have normally predicted. Because I think a couple of things. I think that I think it is going to be kind of a feast and famine for for Chicago. I think I think they're going to shut down the Bears' offense and and just be constantly in in Fields' face a lot. But I do think there's going to be times where he escapes and when, or when he just rolls out and then the corner is, is committed and then you see a big pass. So I do think the Bears are going to have some plays. But I, I think that overall, I think this is the Cowboys' you know, uh, breakout game offensively. And they might get a little help on defense and special teams. In fact, I, I'm calling Turpin's first touchdown to the house this year uh, in this game. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys to double up the Bears 34-17. What about you, Rabs? I, I frankly think it's going to be hard for the Bears to get to 17. I think that they'd have to get a short field or, or a turnover or something like that. I think that, you know, the, you know, even when you said 13, Robert, I was thinking, who else has scored 13 on the Cowboys other than the Eagles who got several short fields right. to do it, right? I mean, they really had about 13 points in legitimate drives that were like, you know, I mean, obviously Nobody's every drive is a drive, but it's really hard to score on the Cowboys. Um, 
So I'm going to say they cover barely. I'll, I'll say 23, nine. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to kick some field goals. Um, I think that they're, they're that one of the, one of the, the things that's going to tell us whether Dak is back or is the percentage of touchdowns in the red zone. And they've been getting a lot of field goals in the red zone. And I think they're probably not, I think they're going to move the ball between the twenties and get stuck in the red zone a couple of times. And we'll get like three field goals and a couple of touchdowns. One of which will be like a really short field after some sort of de- defensive, you know, the defensive play where the defense sets a sets the, the the offense up or like you said dan um it becomes turpentine and you see the scores or, or you know has a, has a long return i think the cowboys are you know the, the, this offense is 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 going to continue to score more than it really merits because it's been gifted short fields by the other two units and i think that's there's no reason to believe that that won't continue um because it does seem feel like it is pretty consistent week to week that part of their game their defense is too good it's I mean, really, it really is. It's really good. It's and, and you know our hope is really just that that defense keeps them, keeps them um, playing. You know, uh, keeps them relevant until the offense can wake up. Because right now this offense is not a is not a deep in the playoffs type type of offense in, by any stretch of the imagination. Well, listen, dude, we we got to roll. Thanks so much for coming on and illuminating us and our and all of our pupils about um, the great storied franchise that is the Chicago Bears. Um, before you head out, though, please tell the people where they can find your fine fine work. Of course, you can find me over at WindyCityGridiron.com, writing for the Bears, or on YouTube at Second City Gridiron. That's 2ND City Gridiron, where I tend to break down film, mostly of the Bears, but eventually, especially come off season, it'll be time to study some hot topics, and the Cowboys defense is a hot, hot topic. Can't wait. Well, let's hope it still is by the end of the season. <laughs> hope so. All right, good luck on Sunday. We'll see you. Thanks. You bet. Thanks, Robert. There's always room for you, you know, in the Cowboys fan base, so... wow that dude had a lot of energy i really enjoyed talking to him about the bears and i learned a lot about his team yeah i mean also too that there's a little bit of cow you know there's not a lot of people that uh root for an nfc team but also likes the cowboys so that was kind of Mm -hmm. nice to Nice to hear, but definitely, yeah, a lot of information, and it's, you know, kind of gives me a, some thoughts about uh, what to expect come Sunday. But mm-hmm. um, what do we got, what can we expect next week, Rabs? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we're really excited about the fact that next week, because the Cowboys have a bye, we're going to have uh, three illustrious guests on, uh, professors, uh, emeritus in their own right, endowed chairs of cowboyology from other universities will be in here and we're going to have a panel discussion and we're going to play some awesome games and everyone's going to have a chance to ask some questions and really figure out what the state of this team is, both by looking backwards and by looking to the future. That is going to be fun. I can't wait for that. But that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any matchups you're looking for, or what was your favorite Halloween moment, um, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at RebelRabs, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. 
and we will catch you later. Class dismissed. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.